0: Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Friday, January the 8th, 2021. And on today's podcast, we're going to talk about a big weekend for Kentucky basketball, both men's and women's basketball. The Kentucky men play Florida on Saturday down in Gainesville. It's a five o'clock start on ESPN. And then on Sunday, the Kentucky women play South Carolina. also at 5 p.m. That game is at Memorial Coliseum. It is also on ESPN. To talk about the Kentucky-Florida game, I talked to Graham Hall, who covers the Gators' For the Gainesville Sun to get a scouting report on Florida and to talk about the women's game, I talked to Josh Sullivan, my friend and colleague at the Herald-Leader who covers UK women's basketball for the Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. So let's get first. First, we're going to have my conversation with Grandma of the Gainesville Sun to talk about the men's game. And then after that, you'll hear Josh Sullivan of the Herald-Leader as we talk about the UK women's game against South Carolina scheduled for Sunday. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Graham Hall, who covers uh, Florida basketball for the Gainesville Sun. How you doing today, Graham?
1: I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on here, John. Always a pleasure to talk Florida basketball, and especially Kentucky basketball, because this is... Definitely an exciting matchup every single year.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Obviously a big game on Saturday, a big game for both teams. I know it's early in the SEC schedule, but it's still – it's always a big game when Kentucky and Florida get together. Uh, Graham, what about this Florida team? I'm sure the first question is about Keontae Johnson, about uh, the unfortunate uh, thing that's happened to him and not being able to play. Uh, Just what about that situation, and how, how have the Gators adapted to that so far?
1: That's absolutely going to be the focus of Florida probably for the rest of the season and every single game, how they move on without Keontae Johnson. I shouldn't even say move on without him. Move on for him is the term they're wanting to use with him in tow. Is, as you've seen, he's been in the scouting room helping Florida scout. He, he actually drew up the scout for Florida's first SEC game, a win at Vanderbilt. He has been involved. He was initially not supposed to be traveling on road games. And then he was in Tuscaloosa on Tuesday cheering on the team in Florida's first conference loss. So he has been involved, but this is a Florida team clearly that is missing their, I I shouldn't even say arguably, but definitely their most vital piece, the the sec's preseason player of the year as voted by the media. This is a guy who adored in the locker room, a leader in every sense. And in the first week of SEC play and their return to court in 20 plus days without him, they uh, fared admirably well, I would say, with two victories and then kind of came back down to earth against the Crimson Tide with Scotty Lewis, uh, the other former five star, struggling with foul trouble playing a season low 20 minutes there, only having a season low two points. So they uh, have much less depth without Keontae Johnson. And if someone else gets into foul trouble, this is clearly a team that is going to struggle, but they are playing for him and the emotions of wanting to play for one of your fallen leaders. It's hard to gauge how much that can push a team on a night in night out basis. And that's something that we're going to just have to see once tip off gets underway, what type of Florida team you really, I guess you can get.
0: What about uh, b- before Keontae went down, or and after that, who, who are the who are the other guys who have played well? Who who should Kentucky fans look for on Saturday?
1: The big one, I think, is Colin Castleton. Yeah. He, he had forty four points in that first week at a career high twenty four points, twenty three points, excuse me, against Vanderbilt, and then followed up. Normally, guys come back down to earth anytime they go off. I mean, this is a guy who transferred. From Michigan, averaged barely four points a game and, and got to admit a very talented Michigan front court, travel, transfers back to his home state of Florida, a Daytona Beach native, just to, I think, get a little more ample playing time in a Florida front court that's been really hampered by injuries. And I, I think you could say overall just a lack of development for various reasons. And all of a sudden, Colin Castleton is looking like a brand new uh, version in a sense here. A, a, a guy who, did struggle in a sense against Alabama. Still led Florida in scoring uh, in terms of their starters with 13 points a game. Tyree Appleby led Florida with 18 points off the bench. But Colin Castleton is has is the, been the guy carrying the scoring load for Florida. There was a time against LSU in Florida's second game where he had 21 points. When they were sending Trendon Watford, who we all know how good he is, especially uh, in, in terms of passing out of the post and, and doubling guys and rotating in, in that that LSU defense and Colin Castleton was getting double team triple team time and still scored the first 15 points of the second half there uh it, pretty incredible honestly and they they're going to need him uh again against this Kentucky
0: front court what about two? Uh, I know uh, in reading you guys, and, and then on the uh, we just got off the Zoom with Coach White here a little earlier. Did he said he wanted to play with a little faster tempo this year? Uh, have they done that, and how successful has that been?
1: You look at Florida's pace per play rankings; they actually are around eighty sixth right now, and they were eighty six heading into that Alabama game through through six games. And while a small sample size, they absolutely are playing much faster uh, in the in the full court uh, than they were at any time last season. Um, when it comes to pushing it and getting out in transition, Florida is able to do that. they I think they're a little bit quicker, especially in the front court. They're not really running a traditional center. Castleton, a very slender six foot ten guy with a huge wingspan is running the five for Florida, and that really allows them to play small and, and get out in transition and and before Keontae Johnson went out he was playing the four for Florida at, at six foot five and that really allowed Florida to, to do a lot of things and utilize their speed and they're still attempting to do that Anthony Derugio playing the four in place of Keontae Johnson has helped Florida get out there but in, in the half court this is a team that's still I think you could say struggles right now against LSU. They had 40 points in the first half, but only had one assist and they still can revert to some lackadaisical sluggish type play when the defense adjusts and stops them in transition and gets out and stops them in the break. This is a a Florida team still struggling to execute the offense efficiently and, and quickly. I think you can say, and You, As you mentioned, being on that Mike White call about 30 minutes ago, he mentioned some of those things when you stop Florida in transition and their offense, they can't execute the offense due to a lack of maturity for various other reasons, missing Keontae Johnson, missing Scottie Lewis, missing huge veteran presences. This is a team that can revert to some hero balls, some, some me shots. And, and Mike White lights, loves to call them F shots. And that's, you, you heard me ask, what's the difference yeah. for you guys between a C shot an <laughs> average shot where it's an efficient shot. And what's an F shot where you go back on film and say, what were you thinking here? That is what Florida, I, I think if you could point to one thing against the Crimson Tide on Tuesday, that was what really hurt Florida the most. And it was their worst shooting, Performance of the season, just under forty percent after after really shooting sixty two percent in that first week. There, really impressive. So that's the key to to beating this Florida offense. And then the other thing is, this is a team that, as quick as they are in the full court and running the offense, they have struggled in transition defense. Not just really for this season, but but multiple years. When when you really lack a lot of physicality and a lot of size, when teams get you out in the break, you're gonna more often than not foul in the low post than go up strong and block a shot and and that's just been very true with this florida team and and you hear that them harping on the fouls and avoiding needless fouls because it's much better to let a guy beat you in the break and just give it up than not do too much and foul him and give him an in one opportunity and then have to possibly sit down with one two early fouls who knows which this is a team, again, lacking depth for various reasons, and they're realizing that they just can't afford that if they want to be competitive in SEC play.
0: So is that a big key for them on on Saturday against Kentucky? Uh, You talked about shots and not fouling, And, and, and are there other things that the Gators have to do on Saturday against Kentucky?
1: Well, they're going to have to avoid turning turning over the ball. Their turnover to assist ratio, I would I would say, is without having the stats right here in front of me. I got to say, it's in the bottom half of the SEC just because they don't really execute and, and get many assists. Uh, uh, it, it's a lot of isolation, a lot of getting out in transition. Um, you don't just don't see too much of it. And then again, absolutely fouling. They have a, a huge depth issue especially i would say in the front court outside of colin castleton and anthony deruji it's really a lot of unproven talent you have Osayo Sifo who can really play one through five but before he got to gainesville he didn't start playing basketball until five years ago former rugby and track star i mean very raw that you could stick in at the four and then anthony deruji a guy that really played well in the first week, but kind of came back down to earth, three for eleven performance against the Crimson Tide on Tuesday. before that had really struggled to to get his wind back, had faced an extended quarantine, was Florida's backup power forward, but really had struggled in his first couple games. And so Florida really got a lot out of him in the first week of of SEC play. He had sixteen points against LSU. It looked really good. But outside of the starters, this is a Florida team without a whole lot of depth, especially in the front court. And if they get guys like Scotty Lewis picking up early fouls, they are really going to be exploited, easily exploited, because there has just not a, a, a lot of depth yet that you can say uh, in this unit.
0: Well, it should be, you know, it should be an interesting – it's always a fun game, an interesting game when Kentucky and Florida uh, get together. Kentucky, of course, had their struggles in the non-conference. They've won two in a row in conference. They say Florida coming off that Alabama game. I know they want to right the ship as well. Uh, Grant, before I let you go, what, what is the long-term pro- prognosis for Keontae Johnson? What does what his future hold, do you think, basketball-wise after this season? Have they said, or is that still up in the air?
1: I think the real story here is how little Florida has said, and you know this, I think, extremely well, because John Calipari, who I, I think we could arguably say is, uh, and not even arguably, is the top voice in, in college basketball, right up there with Coach K. I, I think that you could say that the lack of information coming out from Florida side is the story here. Us at the Gainesville Sun, Zach Alboverti reported that he was diagnosed with acute myocarditis and the prognosis, the long-term prognosis for that, I think does remain to be seen. Although there are certainly some things that you could look at right now. I have heard that it's a three to six month timetable in terms of when he will be reevaluated and Mm -hmm. it remains unknown whether he can return to collegiate basketball. I think Florida right now, in the shock, the aftermath, whatever you want to call it, has focused on the human health approach right now, which we may even have to label controversial in a sense because this is a human interest, public health interest thing. Right. And then you add in one of the other complex layers of NCA athletics, and that's student privacy laws. Right. That limit them extremely on what they can say. And so you have this I I think head on collision in a sense of frustration from the community wanting to know what happened here with uh, an organization, institution, administration, whatever you want to call it, that is kind of thinks that they have their hands tied. And I eventually something has got to give, I just don't know what will be, but I do know that any comments will come from Johnson's family. They've wanted to keep that all extremely in-house and, And and sensitive of his situation and announce all that. And uh, I think Florida is uh, wisely choosing that because they they don't really want to be the ones announcing too much right now.
0: Right. It's been interesting the way yeah these schools have all handled this. I mean, with Kentucky football – you know, they had several players who were not able to play, but they've never revealed the names. We kind of had to find out afterwards or they we were told right before games, you know, so, you know, these these players are not available uh, to play today. And, course, and they never even you know put a reason behind it. And they said part of that goes back to what you were talking about with student privacy and so forth, where other schools, it's, they seem to name who was out. So uh, anyway. I got to
1: say, I just think that I think that, you know, a few years ago we were sitting here saying, hey, college athletics, division one athletics. The way that, and I hate to bring this up, but the way that even sports gambling is at, you, you thought that there was going to be a movement towards yeah. injury reports. Yeah, more and,
0: transparency, yeah.
1: And in the COVID-19 pandemic, I think that you have had this push that there is just no way that that will ha- the NCAA will allow that to happen in the near future now after this. Because yeah. so much, this is a mentality, right now, this is a culture where I, I could would imagine – the cover-ups of injuries have never been greater, I would imagine. Yeah,
0: No, I, I agree. I agree. Graham, uh, tell the listeners how they can follow your work, uh, both uh, Twitter and online leading up to the game and through the game and after the game on Saturday.
1: I really appreciate you having me on, John. Always my pleasure. I cover Florida for the Gainesville Sun. You can follow me at Twitter at Graham Hall underscore. I'll be there on the game. That's Saturday, 5 p.m. tip-off in the Exact Tech Arena at Stephen C. O'Connell Center for Florida versus Kentucky. Uh, You can follow me there. Read me at Gatorsports.com. I'll have an advance coming up a little bit later today. And we have a Gator Sports podcast as well. And uh, that's about it for me right now before the game tomorrow. I, again, appreciate you having me on, John, and I hope all your – followers up there in lexington are doing well and staying safe and staying healthy
0: well uh, i certainly appreciate you being on you've been great uh giving us a great scouting report, and our best wishes to Keontae and, uh, and his future health thanks again graham
1: appreciate it thank you
0: okay my thanks to graham hall of the gainesville sun be sure and check out his work leading up to the men's game on saturday and we'll be right back with josh sullivan of the arrow leader and kentucky.com to talk a little uk women's basketball Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Josh Sullivan, who covers U.K. women's basketball. Actually, Josh covers a variety of things. He's our utility <laughs> guy who can do just about everything and does do just about everything. Uh, Josh, how's it going?
2: Well, thank you. Uh, it's going very well. Thanks, John. Thank well, you for the uh, flattering intro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's okay. I'll I'll expect a check in the mail. So uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk to Josh today about U.K. women's basketball. Uh, we're going to put it. We're going to talk about the South Carolina. We're going to talk about how the women are playing. We're going to talk about the Texas A and M loss at Texas A and M last night, and we're going to talk about the South Carolina game coming up Sunday. But we're going to do so with the following disclaimer: South Carolina has put a pause on their uh, basketball programs, including women. Their game against Georgia was postponed. Uh, As far as we know, the game Sunday is still on, but uh, check Kentucky.com or your local news outlet to make sure. But still, we want to talk Kentucky women's basketball because this is a big game. And Kentucky's gone through a big stretch here, Josh. We're playing – South Carolina would be the fourth-ranked team they've played in a row. Um, Yeah. What happened last night against Texas A&M? It looked like they kind of ran out of gas in the second half. Is that that the way you saw it?
2: Yeah. They – it it was, you know – they honestly, uh, looked like the better team for much of the first half, um, got out to, uh, if I remember right about a seven point lead at one point, um, A&M came back tied it at halftime, 31 31 through the first, uh, portion of the third quarter, uh, UK, they, they exchanged leads again. And then it, as you said, it just looked like uh, UK hit a bit of a wall, um, Went through a stretch between the uh, end of the Mm -hmm. third and beginning of the fourth quarter, in which uh, A&M went on a 14-0 run, and the Cats really just could never recover. Um, They just looked kind of out of sorts in the second half. But, uh, I mean, they played with a a higher-ranked A&M team uh, on A&M's home court, and they were right there with them for much of the game, and it just kind of fell apart there in the second
1: half.
0: Uh, As you mentioned, up until then, Kentucky have been playing really well. Uh, They beat two ranked teams in a row uh, in Arkansas and Mississippi State. Uh, Last night was just the second loss for Kentucky so far this season. What's been the key, up until last night anyway, what – what do you feel like? has been the key to their success under uh, under Kyra Elzey, who took over for uh, Matthew Mitchell when Matthew stepped down very late. You know, right before the season started. Now Kyra was the interim coach. Now she's the full time head coach. Uh, what had been clicking? What had been working well uh, for Kentucky up until last night? Well,
2: uh, especially in these last two games, uh, two arguably the the best two teams Kentucky played before a and uh, It all starts with Ryan Howard. <laughs> I mean, uh, as you mentioned, those back-to-back games against ranked opponents, uh, Arkansas and then Mississippi State, Howard was just looked like the best player in the country. And uh, obviously following that, she was named uh, ESPNW National Player of the Week, uh, Naismith Award National Player of the Week, you know, all sorts of accolades. And, um, uh, also a mix of Kentucky's newcomers. Kentucky's had several uh, newcomers that have uh, really showed up this year, starting with uh, Dreana Edwards, uh, junior, or I'm sorry, sophomore forward, who's really given Kentucky a a reinvigorated presence in the post so far this year, Uh, had three double-doubles earlier this season. And a big part of the problem last night against uh, Texas A&M is Dreana Edwards had, by far uh, her worst game of the season. Um, She ended up scoring just two points, uh, had no rebounds, uh, no field goals. Her two points came at the foul line. Um, She got off to a very tough start and just never kind of recovered last night. She got whistled for, I believe, three traveling violations in the first quarter, and she ended up she ended up with five traveling, traveling violations and six turnovers for the game. And when she got whistled for those, uh, turnovers early on, she just, she just kind of never, she, Kyrie LZ pulled her out, uh, for a few minutes, then put her back in just minutes after she came back in, she had another violation, another travel. And, uh, she just never got on track after that. Um, so for, for UK to have been in the game with Texas A&M for as Mm -hmm. long as they were. And they basically got nothing out of Drauna Edwards, who has been easily one of their top three players this season behind Howard and Patterson and Edwards uh, early in the season (laughs) was arguably UK's best player. Um, She had three straight double doubles during an early stretch in the season and just, you know, looked really, really good. And last night, uh, it was just, you know, most likely an anomaly for her. You yeah, know, uh, a yeah, young player has, you know, so many things go wrong early in a game. It's not unusual for them to, you know, get out of sorts and not be able to recover in that game. Yeah. Um, I spoke to Elzy after the game last night on uh, Zoom teleconference about uh, Edwards and, uh, you know, her mindset. And Elzy said, you know, she was frustrated and upset. But Elsie uh, said that, you know, they're going to get back to work with her and they expect her to bounce right back. And she said they have 100 percent confidence in her. So, uh, you know, if if Edwards is is back playing like she was earlier mm-hmm. in the year, or even anything close to that, I think the cats uh, are in that game last night and uh, have a really good chance to win it. You know, like I said, she's been one of their top three players of the season uh, this season. And uh, she didn't she wasn't able to do much of anything last night and UK was still in the game for much of it. So, uh, if she bounces back, I expect them to be competitive with anybody in the SEC.
0: Who else has who else have been playing? Well, you mentioned about, uh, the, uh, the other pieces around Howard had really stepped okay. up and played well. Who, who else besides, well, uh, besides that? You got ben? Robin,
2: you got a uh, Robin Benton, uh, a guard transfer guard who, uh, gained eligibility, uh, I can't remember if it was – I believe it was just before the season started. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, right. Well, Oh, when they – with the NCAA uh, ruling granting sort of blanket eligibility to transfers, uh, Robin Benton, transfer guard, um, she has been huge off the bench. Um, knocking down threes, coming up uh, uh, with clutch shots and clutch moments. Uh, Kyra Elsey is uh, – Heat praise upon her. Um, also off the bench, Olivia Owens, a transfer uh, from Maryland, has uh, contributed in the post uh, quite a bit. And uh, that, another thing with last night, uh, Olivia Owens was never able to kind of get going. Um, and yeah, no, she, she only played
0: like seven minutes. I noticed.
2: Yeah, she was. She only uh, she was only able to play seven minutes. Um, Had a little bit of foul trouble, which, you know, uh, obviously that causes a setback for (laughs) any anybody. Um, So, yeah, they out of Owens and Edwards have been huge uh, in the paint for them this season. And uh, they got, you know, a combined two points out of those players. (laughs) So uh, it's tough to be a team like A&M when uh, you get that. But Owens has been playing good and improving all year. Um, Owens and Edwards in particular have just given the Cats sort of a new presence in the post that they haven't had the last several years. Um, Robin Benton has been big off the bench. Uh, Jasmine Massengill, uh, a guard, who's also a newcomer, starting to play better and better. And uh, that's kind of the, one of the things I, I think about. Um, this is a team that's got a, a whole lot of new parts this season. Uh, very talented parts, but a whole lot of new parts. And uh, it, it, it takes some time uh, for a team of so many new new parts to gel. And, um, you know, throw on top of that, uh, they haven't been able to have the sort of bonding experience that most uh, teams <laughs> get to have because of all the circumstances surrounding the pandemic. And when you're not able to have that bonding experience in the same way, it, I, I feel like it probably takes a little bit longer to gel, you know. Right. Um, I spoke with Elsie about that ahead of the A&M game. Uh, I asked, you know, how is it different traveling for road trips uh, this season versus a normal season? And Elsie specifically mentioned that specifically touched on the fact that they have not been able to share those same bonding experiences because often, you know, road trips are where those bonds are forged and now they have assigned seats on the plane or the bus. So they're not able to sort of interact and move around with different people um, right. when they get to their uh, team hotel. Each individual player has their own separate room, you know, whereas typically they, you know, be bunking with the teammate and they could all interact. But they're all by themselves now. So they're sort of missing out on that off the court uh, bonding time. So yeah, it, it, yeah,
0: that's a good – yeah, so those are two really good points because, you know, they've talked about that uh, – I know in football, you know, about the – Mark Stoops talked about they weren't able to do the same kind of team bonding thing, but you're right. I yeah. mean, I'm sure on uh, trips, you know, they're doubling up in rooms, they're going in each other's rooms, they're getting together and oh, yeah. talking and playing playing cards or doing something to pass the time before the game. Same thing on the flights and uh, bus trips, you know, uh, they're socializing and they're, now they can't do that.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I and I would imagine that that sort of uh, those social moments, uh, you know, go a long way towards you know team chemistry. Right. You know, it's exactly. you don't you don't just you don't just build team chemistry on the court. Much of it is off the court, right. and they're you know they've not been able to do that to the degree that they would during a normal
0: season. Right. Right. No. No doubt about it. Uh, what about okay? So what about the South Carolina game? What did South Carolina obviously. Uh, a traditional power here of late, uh, won a championship. I think they're ranked fifth, uh, going into this week. Uh, what do you know about this particular South Carolina team? Well,
2: this is the, uh, a team that won the sec regular season and, uh, sec tournament titles last year. Uh, as you said, traditional power, uh, they have a couple of players who, you know, Ryan Howard was named to the, uh, wooden award midseason top 25 watch list, which, uh, Tracks uh, candidates for national player of the year. Ryan Howard was named to that list this week. And South Carolina has two players that were named to that list this week. Um, got Aaliyah Boston, 6'5 forward. She's the reigning SEC and national freshman of the year. Um, just a huge presence in the post for the Gamecocks. Uh, so far this season, she's averaging a double-double, 13.9 points, 10.6 rebounds per games. She's shooting five. Uh, I'm sorry, 49% from the field. Um, And then you've got Zia Cook, 5'9", sophomore guard, who also was named to that Wooden Award watch list. Uh, She leads the Gamecocks, averages 18.9 points, 3.1 assists, and 3.1 rebounds. She's hit 16 of 32 three-pointers. Can hit the mid-range, can step out. Um, So, I mean, they will be another tall task for the Cats. Uh, You're reigning SEC champs with two national player of the year candidates uh right. coming into memorial hopefully uh right. so yeah it's an, another big test for cats uh, carolina actually uh entered the season ranked number one for the first time in uh program history uh and the ap top 25 uh they they finished last season uh ranked number one for 10 straight weeks uh before obviously the pandemic uh shut the season down uh They were one of the teams favored to make a run for a national title and, uh, you know, coming off that SEC tournament championship. And obviously they didn't get to uh, go for that. Um, They did lose at home to NC State, uh, 54-46 on December 3rd. Uh, No shame in that. Uh, NC State was ranked, I believe, number eight at the time. So (laughs) that's obviously... Not a bad loss. So I would expect uh, I would expect the Gamecocks to uh, be a very formidable challenge.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Don Staley's just done a tremendous job there. I mean, she's a terrific Mm -hmm. coach and uh, uh, you know just done a tremendous job. As you mentioned, it's a twelve o'clock game. It's Memorial Coliseum. It's on ESPN. So hopefully everything will be okay with the South Carolina program. Uh, It's actually. Yeah. Uh,
2: forgive me, John. It's act- actually actually uh, it's actually been tip off has been moved to 5 p.m. Oh. on ESPN. That was announced this week. So assuming the game does occur, it will be a 5 p.m. tip at uh okay. at a Memorial College Coliseum, Coliseum, and it's uh, it's scheduled to be televised by ESPN.
0: Yeah. At 5 p.m. You're right. I'm just looking at the schedule now. It has been moved to five. I, I forgot about that. I'm glad you corrected yep. me there. So, yeah, five o'clock, <laughs> five o'clock. Thing. So what are the keys for Kentucky, you think? What What do they need to do well uh, Saturday to beat the Gamecocks? I mean, Sunday to beat the Gamecocks?
2: Yeah, well, I think the first thing, uh, it would be crucial uh, that the Cats get uh, Drayana Edwards uh, back on track. Uh, they've got to have someone in the post that can uh, defend and contend with Aliyah Boston. Uh, she's just really talented. Uh, <clears throat> has a lot of size. at six foot five. Uh, Edwards obviously will be a a little bit undersized. She's six foot two. She'd be going up against a a, a player that's three feet taller. But uh, so far this season, Edwards has played much bigger uh, than six foot two. Uh, so if she can get back on back on track, uh, I expect her to. Uh, you know, do a really good job uh, defending in the post. And uh, that would go a long way toward, uh, toward helping the cats be competitive. Obviously uh, in the last few years, teams with a lot of size in the post have often presented a big problem for the cats. And uh, that, that hasn't been uh, as much of a problem this year with Edwards and Olivia Owens uh, playing really well. So if they can get Edwards back on track, that would be huge. Um, Also, they, If they can get a little bit more out of their guards, uh, Blair Green, uh, starting guard, uh, junior, <clears throat> only, uh, only took two shots against AM and uh, hit one of them, only scored two points. Uh, she'd been averaging almost nine points on the season. Um, Chassidy Patterson, UK's starting point guard, has been great all season. Had a good game against A&M, uh, eight points, four steals, and a couple of assists. Um, but you know not quite as big a game as she had been having. Uh, she'd been averaging uh, more than double figures on the season. So it would be crucial for them to get uh, mm-hmm. Chastity Patterson and Blair Green. Uh, if they could get both of them in double figures, uh, Dreana Edwards uh, get back to the form she's shown all season, uh, put those things together and I think they've got a really good shot to, uh, to beat a very good South Carolina team.
0: Well, it should be should be a great game. As we said, we hope it, it comes yep. off. And it's at five o'clock. Correct me. I think I, as earlier I said noon. Five o'clock Memorial Coliseum on Sunday. It is on ESPN. Josh, tell the listeners how they can follow you uh, on Twitter and uh, online uh, up to the game and during the game and after the game. All your coverage.
2: Uh, uh if you would like to follow me on Twitter, it's at Sully Josh S U L L Y J O S H. Um, I've, we'll have, uh, coverage on Kentucky.com, uh, leading up to, and before this or, and after the South Carolina game. Uh, so be, yeah. just check in on Kentucky.com for all your
0: coverage. Yeah. Be sure and check out all of Josh's coverage on the women, uh, leading up to the game. And like we said, we have our fingers crossed that they will play the game. Uh, yep. if they do play the game, it should be an excellent game. Should be a very uh, entertaining yep. game. Josh, thanks very much for being on the podcast. We appreciate it.
2: You're very welcome, John. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. I want to thank my guest, Graham Hall of the Gainesville Sun, who gave us a great scouting report on the Florida Gators leading into the men's, U.K. men's game on Saturday against Florida down in Gainesville. Like I said, it's a 5 o'clock start on ESPN and then the UK women I want to thank Josh Sullivan uh, my friend and colleague at the Herald Leader for talking about the UK women's team who plays South Carolina number five ranked South Carolina that game is Sunday at 5 p.m not 12 o'clock as originally scheduled but 5 p.m at Memorial Coliseum it is also on ESPN be sure and check out Josh's work as well I want to thank everybody who supports our work at Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. Remember, you can get a sports pass, which is a sports-only digital subscription, $30 for the first year. You get all of Josh's coverage of U.K. women's basketball. You get our U.K. men's basketball coverage, U.K. football, U.K. recruiting, high schools, $30 for the first year. Uh, go to kentucky.com, hit on that subscription button, and check out all of our subscription offers. Like I said, I, we really appreciate everybody who supports our work. We appreciate everybody who has supported this podcast uh, with a rating and review. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart Podcasts, uh, just about anywhere you find your podcast. You can find the John Clay Podcast. We appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast. Uh, we appreciate you listening to this podcast. I appreciate everybody who follows me on Twitter at John Clay IV. You can send me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. Earlier in the week, we had a podcast with Josh Moore where we kind of wrapped up the U.K. football season and looked ahead to uh, 2021. So uh, check, that out, check that out as well if you get a chance. Once again, this is John Clay, Sports Columns for the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be talking to you soon.